This is going to be the door opener for everyone to re-energize themselves when they have any weakness and emuna. Wherever you get your podcasts from, or our own website, prismoftorah.org. This is The Prism of Torah, with Rabbi Saf Aaron Prisman. Shalom of Racha. As we are starting Parshas Va'ira, we are starting to go through the Parshas of the Geula, the Redemption, the Ten Makois, seven in this Parsha, three in the next Parsha, Parshas Boy. And there's some fundamental questions that are very important that we should give them proper attention because there's fundamental concepts in Yiddishkeit that come out through the answers to these questions. Question number one. It's interesting. Why did HaKadosh Buhu need 10 plagues? Would it not suffice to have one, let's say the strongest one, the last one, Makas Pechorus, that the oldest child in every family of the Egyptians would get killed by HaKadosh Buhu? Wouldn't that be enough? Why did we need 10? Question number two. We know that obviously the Torah is chas v'shalom to say it's just a history book. It's something a lot deeper than that. Infinite wisdom is involved. And of course, there is practical advice practical guidelines for us on how to live our lives in this long or short hallway that we have before the eternal world. So what what is the reason that Kaddish Buhu spent so much time elaborating on the 10 Makois? There has to be something fundamental over here behind the scenes. What is that? The Baal Shem Tov asks another very interesting question. In this week's Parsha, it says that the reason that Kaddish Buhu is doing all this, all the Makois, is seems like it's that the Mitzrim, the Egyptians will know that I'm Hashem, I'm HaKadosh Buhu managing the world. And the question begs itself, HaKadosh Buhu, we know his last resort is to do miracles. He's doing such big miracles. Why? So the Egyptians will know he's Hashem? There has to be something deeper than just the Egyptians knowing Hashem's running the world. What is that? So we'll start off with something that is probably the most well-known answer to at least some of the questions I raised, which the Kliyakar brings down. The Kliyakar says, and adds another following question, which is, we know from the Haggadah, Rabbi Yudha says, it's a Gemara, that the 10 plagues are actually split into three, and he has an acronym for all for all these three. Datsach, which represents the first three makas, Dam Tzfardeh Akinim. Achav, sorry, Datsach, which is Dam Tzfardeh Akinim. Then Adash, which is Aroiv Dever Shechin. And then we have Beachav, which is Barad Arbe Choyshech and Makas Bechoyrois. And the question that we should ask as well is, obviously, Rabbi Yudah is not just teaching us an acronym. There has to be something deeper over here to know why it's very important to divide the 10 Makos into a set of three groups. So the Kliakar explains, indeed, there's three groups. Hey, what happened over here? Let's look at the context. Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Paro and says, let HaKadosh Buchu's people go. What does Paro say? Mi Hashem asher bekolo. Who's HaKadosh Buchu? I should listen to him. So the whole theme and all the answers over here are based on this idea. The whole theme is HaKadosh Buchu is now going to prove that he is running the world. This is going to be the door opener for everyone to re-energize themselves when they have any weakness and emunah. We know Pesach, which commemorates this time through the Parshish, the ten plagues and leaving Mitzrayim, when we became a nation. It is the Chag of the Emunah, which we spoke about many times. And that's our opportunity to strengthen our Emunah. That's why HaKadosh Buhu set up the system. Now, let's understand what happened over here. HaKadosh Buhu is proving through the ten plagues to Paroi 
Ani Hashem, you don't know who I am? I'll show you who I am, says the Kliyakal. And this is also for the other answers we're going to give as well. If you look carefully in the Psukim, it's incredibly interesting. These 10 plagues that are split into three groups, the first Makkah, the first plague of each group says after it was brought, I'm doing this, Leman Teda, something along those words, Leman Teda Ki Ani Hashem, I'm doing this, that you will know, I'm You didn't know who I am, you will know. The Kliyakar says the first three, and we're not going to go into detail, but we'll say the overall summary. The first three represent the fact that HaKadosh Buhu is running the world. The second group is telling us that there's Ashkacha Pratis. HaKadosh Buhu watches over everything. And whatever you do will have a ripple effect from HaKadosh Buhu. And the last group shows that HaKadosh Buhu is in charge of Teva, and he can override Teva at any point in time. And that was, we see... That was done in the last Makkos, which were Nechshav, a lot more extreme, stronger. And that HaKadosh Buhu proved those. So you see that there's three different sets proving that HaKadosh Buhu is running the world. We know that Teva is Elohim. We, we keep reiterating this idea. That's why HaTeva, the Teva, the nature equals numerical value 86. HaTeva is Elohim Aleph Lamed Hey Yud Mem, also Elohim which is 86, Adkan the Kliyakar. So you see, those. this is something very basic to strengthen our Emunah and HaKadosh Buch wanted to ensure that he gives and sets up the structure before, before we become a nation that we have the building blocks for true Emunah. Then the Sivis Shalom says another Mahalach, beautiful Mahalach. And he says again, we're coming to answer, HaKadosh Buch is coming to answer to Paro, oh, you don't know who I am? Mi Hashem, Asher Shema Bekolo. I will tell you exactly who I am. The first three Makas were makas under the ground, i.e. Dam Tzfardeh Akinim, all those three was something underground to show that Hashem is in charge of whatever is under the ground. The second three was above ground, things that like on animals, on people, above ground. And the last set was something not just above ground, walking on on the ground, but in the air, showing that HaKadosh Buhu is managing all of the different three levels, above, beyond Underground, on the ground, and in the air above. As we said, the first Maka in each set says something along the lines, and through this you will know Ani Hashem. So Bemet, the first Maka of the first set in Dam, Maka's Dam, it says, Bezot Hashem. First of all, you see Hashem's in charge of something. This set is underground. Then it says, Leman Tidakeni Hashem Bekevavitz, on the ground. And the last set is Enkamoni Becholavitz, which comes to include also above ground. This goes very nicely with the famous Midrash in Shmois Rabo that the first three Makos were triggered by Aaron, Aaron, by hitting the ground, by hitting ground or hitting the waters. The second set was triggered by Moshe Rabbeinu, who was on a higher level, and indeed he had to hit the air, Nateyadcha, on top of the ground, going another step further. As we know, we've already mentioned several times, Kabbalah light, that every entity in this world is consists of 10 components, which as we know are the 10 spheres. And they're also divided really into three sets. Chabad, which is Chochma, Bina, and Das. Chagas, Chesed, Gvorah, Tiferet. And Nahim, Netzach, Hod, Yesoid, and Malchus. I purposely didn't say Keser. That's the number one. And we'll discuss that later. Now, really those three sets correspond to, from lower to higher, the last set, the lowest set, is our Evalim. Or our bodily body parts. The next level higher up is our heart, which is Chagat Chesed Gvatiferet. And the highest level, which is our mind, is Chochma Bina and Das. The ten makos represents all these three.
these three sets. And that's why they're split into three sets. Meaning, there are really three different levels of emunah in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You can have emunah belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu in your mind. That's level, even though it's, a, it's, that's level number one, because the mind is in charge of everything. So first, you have to know it in your mind, but that's not enough. As we always say, the yadata yom, it's one thing to know, but you have to bring it into your emotions, into your heart. So we have emunah tamoach, that's in the mind. Then emunah salev, and if you're an extreme high level, you so believe in Hashem, not only were you able to transfer it from your mind to your instinct, to your emotions, but even on a higher level, your your body already works automatically is in sync with Latzon Hashem. He does a Kaddish Bochus will. Deivan, your hands automatically do whatever you've been programming yourself to do, which is Latzon Hashem. And that is the idea of the Makois. We're trying to show and to hint to Bnei Israel. this is how you have the Munah. Ah, we asked at the beginning, the Baal Shem Tov asked, I don't understand. So why is it Leman Yedu Mitzrayim? Says his grandson, the Degel Machane Ephraim. Unbelievable Mahalach. He says, it's not, it's hinting, not only it's to the Mitzrayim in the whole world. That's Pshat. But the Drosh over here is to the Mitzrayim in you. Everyone has a bit of a Mitzri of an Egyptian side to him, which is trying to tell him, ah, you really believe everything's HaKadosh Bohu. To answer that Mitzri inside of you came the Ten Makois. Yes. Of course, you have to do everything you can, and I'm giving you an opening. I'm giving you the infrastructure to see Hakadosh Baruch Hu's running the world in all these three different stories. Story number one, the mind. Story number two, the heart. Story number story number three, your bodily your body, the evolving bodily parts. And that's a person that truly believes. Not only does he have a munah in his mind, not only in his heart. But already his hands, his legs are running to do mitzvahs, to do Torah, to do chesed, to mimic HaKadosh Baruch Hu's midos. And that is what life is all about. And that is precisely why HaKadosh Baruch Hu set up the stage in such a way that there will be ten makos. And that's why Rabbi Yudah is telling us how important essential it is to split it into three. Aside from the three levels of emunah that we said, the moyach is level number one. Then you have to bring it to your heart, to your emotions, level number two. Then you have to bring it down that your body will automatically do the Son Hashem, that's emuna in a volume. We also, because if you look at the Makois, there's a different perspective to look at it as well, which is, when you come to get rid of the Tuma, in Mitzrayim, we reached one of the lowest level a person can reach, Tuma-wise. To pur- purify oneself, then the order is opposite. Not like we just said. When we want to build ourselves to have a very high level of emunah, of course, first you have to have this realization in your mind that Hashem is running the world. Then you have to bring it to your heart, then to your evolving. However, when you're trying to cleanse yourself, purify yourself from all the tumah, sul mirah, begedal sul mirah, first you have to cleanse your evolving, purify them by doing mitzvahs. Then you have to bring it to your heart, purify your heart, and, and then purify your mind. And that was the order of the makos. The first three, dance for that kinim, represented the low level. First make sure your evolving are cleansed. Then your heart, that's the next step. And then your mind. And that is exactly what the Makwis are coming to portray to us. That is the way to cleanse oneself from impurity to purity. And that reminds us of the famous idea, which means after your actions, once you do positive actions, it will help you affect your heart. And then it can also affect your mind. So to summarize, the 10 spheres we said, 
where we have three different levels, like every entity, so to our bodies. And we have to work on those three levels. When it comes to getting ourselves from impurity to purity, we work ourselves bottom up. First, our evolving, then our hearts, then our mind. And that was the order of the Makwis. When it comes now to upgrade ourselves, now that we cleanse ourselves from impurity, and now we're working our way up to become pure, now the order is different. Now it's first Moyach, once you have everything understood in your mind, then the heart, and then the Evolim. In brackets, we'll add that Makas Bechoyrois represented the highest level, which is Keser, which we have no Hasaga, we can't relate to Keser, and that is something HaKadosh Buchu took care of us, and that is why it was represented by Makas Bechoyrois, that only HaKadosh Buchu did Ani, and no Shaliach did it for HaKadosh Buchu, not even an angel. To bring everything home into closing, let's ensure we answer all our questions. Question number one was, why do we need such length in all the ten makos? We understand why. Because there are so many hints, Ramazim, Pshat, Remez, Drash, and Sod, that we learn from the makos, and how to strengthen our emunah, which is something we know. The whole idea of the ten makos and Yetzias Mitzrayim is all about strengthening our emunah, and that we commemorate on the Heligate day of Pesach, Leila Seder. Why ten makos? Because there's ten different levels, and they're split into three, like Rabbi Yudah tells us. It's very essential. We already showed three different malachim. Why the split into three sections is very imperative for emunah and getting closer to Hakadosh Baruch why was this for the Mitzrim? Aside from the Pshat, Hashem wanted to show everyone He's ru- ruling the world and giving an anti-answer to what Paulo says, Mi Hashem, 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 Who's a Buchu, that I should listen to him? Aside from that, everyone has a Mitzri in himself, which represents a bit of a lack of a Munah. And that is what we have to work on our whole lives. And that is the whole idea of learning Musar. That's the whole idea of learning these Parshias very well. The more you learn them, the more you get into them, the more it affects you and you strengthen your emuna. As we know, how do you distinguish between a yid on the lower level and the higher level? There's only one parameter that really matters. And of course, we can't judge anyone because we don't know all the other parameters. But if one could, which we can't, but if one could isolate all parameters and the only parameter you're judging is emunah, the higher level a person has emuna then he's a higher level yid. Because that means he's reaching Kirvas Elohim. And that is hinted in the Gemara and Makois. That Bacha Bakuk, and he summarized all the mitzvahs with one thing. Tzadik be'emunaso yichye. A tzaddik will live based on his emunah. Meaning you're a tzad, the higher level your emunah is, the closer you are to Hashem and the bigger tzaddik you are. We have no tools to judge and we're not allowed to judge. Because we don't know what everyone's going through and there's many parameters. But we, judging ourselves, should know. We should work on emunah. And if a person, even a person learns all day, it is imperative that he spends some time thinking, doing cheshbon nefesh, thinking about what life is all about, and thinking about these parashiyas, and that Kodesh Buch runs the world, the Enod Vilvado, if you look around us in our day and age, which we passed Corona, and now we have everything that's happening, I don't even want to speak about it, because I'll get too emotional like I did last week. But at the end of the day, Hashem is screaming out, please have a munah, maybe if we strengthen our munah, we won't have to go through what we're going, because all this is leading to Enod you look at what's happening in the world it's crazy things that make no sense people are doing things that are so not ethical they're so not moral and yet people are going with this mahalach how can it be? obviously there's one Enoid Milvadoy HaKadosh is running the show and maybe if we are proactive in instilling this idea within us then all our enemies will go away and we'll be able to be reunited with HaKadosh Baruch and Mashiach Tzitkein Amin. I want to end with a short story about this idea that the stronger Ye'emunah is, there is no doubt you won't sin, you'll be close to HaKadosh Buhu. And one of my Bonim and Bnei Barak, Rav Kaminitz Shlita, always told us, the more, if you have Emunah, 
on a very high level, just like you know this is your, the palm of your hand. That's how you have a level of Unada, who's running the show, and Enod Milvadoi, there's no way you would sin. And I thought about it that night, after I heard it from him, and I came back to him, and I said the next morning, Arav, I thought about it. I don't know, sometimes the Yetzirah is so strong, you have a taiva, you have this physical pull to do something that's not 100%, and you know you're going to get for it. You know it's the wrong thing, but still, you can't be strong enough to deny that whatever we call, for lack of a better term, that pleasure, and you go ahead and do that. So how can you tell me? It doesn't mean I don't have the muna. And he looked at me, and I know he wanted to do something more extreme than what he did, to give to teach me a lesson, of course. But instead, he just told me, I don't understand you. And that's because, I forgot to mention, I gave him a mashal. I said, you know how sometimes your eye you have such a strong itch and you want to scratch your eye. Now you know you're going to feel good when you scratch your eye, but you also know the second you stop scratching your eye, that eye is going to water like crazy for the next hour, you're going to be in pain. But it doesn't matter. You got to scratch that eye. It gives you such a good feeling. And you do it. Ah, you don't know it's going to hurt you after? Of course you know it's going to hurt you after, but you still do it. You can't resist that itch. Excuse the pun. So he told me, Your mashal is horrible. If chas v'shalom, you knew that if you were to scratch your eye, you would lose the eyesight in that eye, would you still scratch? And the obvious answer to that question is, no, you wouldn't. So we see the same idea. The more emunah you have, the more you're going to ensure to do only the right thing because you're going to feel like Kaddish Buch who's watching us, which he does every second of the day. That's why in tefillah we have Shivisi Hashem Tomid. You have to feel like the Dishbuch is watching us every second. And I'll just end off with a very short story I said to my kids. I saw it in the storybook. Can't tell you if it's true or not true, but we can learn from it something. There was a kolo with big avreichim. They were learning on a very high level. And they, most of them were mistapek bimuat. They didn't have, they're very modest the way they lived. Eight kids, two bedrooms. And one of the avreichim, the wife said to him at the time, listen, we're going to have a chasana soon. And right now we have so many kids. It's just so difficult for me. Please, can we move to another bedroom or two? Please. He didn't know what to do. He went to ask his rav. His rav said, listen, I know it's not bothering you. If it bothers your wife, it is important that you do something about it. So what did he do? He went to the koisel the next morning. Oh, that night, sorry. That night he went to the koisel to Davin Takadish Buchu to ask him to help him. He cried Takadish Buchu from the depths of his heart, like we learned last week. In Ashrei we say, Karov Hashem Hashem is very close to the people that scream out to him, to, that ask for help. But to who does Hashem answer? To the people that deeply in their heart really call and scream out Takadish Buchu. So that's what he did. He went to the koisel, started crying to Hashem to help him. And the person hears him crying. He comes up to him. He goes, what's the matter? Why are you crying so much? So he said to him the truth. He said, listen, I live like this. I go to this school. I don't make much money. Didn't bother me. But my wife and the Rav told me. Straight away on the spot, this person wrote him a check for whatever amount of money he needed to upgrade his house, to sell and rebuy or whatever it was. He comes to the next kolal. He, he praises HaKadosh Buhu And he gives everyone a little cake and a bit of wine. And everyone was very happy for him. The next day, a lot of Avrechim said, Let's do the same thing. Let's go to the Koisel tonight and also ask Ashkadish Buhu. They came back, nothing. No one stopped them in their davening, nothing. They were very upset. They were hoping something would happen, just like it happened to their friend. They come back, they went to a big Rav and asked him, how come for our friends? Straight away, someone answered, for us not. So the Rav said to them, your friend went because he was really going to talk to Kaddish Bochul and to ask him. You went because you knew your friend got answered like that. You thought maybe you'll get answered as well. The whole idea is, And again, like everything in life, it's all a function of our emuna. The one thing that counts more than anything and everything else 
is just a ripple effect. It's a toitzah of that. It's a gilui. It reveals of your level of emunah. The way you do mitzvahs, the way you daven, everything is based on the core, which is emunah. And that is what these parshias are telling us all about. The ten makos split into three sections. Yiratzonda will take this idea, implement it in our daily lives. Have a good chapter. This concludes another episode of the Prism of Terror. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something valuable. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast and give a five-star rating. You can also find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts or our own website, prismofterror.com, where we have a full archive of all our past episodes. We would like to thank Yona Veffa for the recording equipment and Ellie Podcast Productions for handling all our post-podcast productions. Join us next week for another lightning conversation on the Prism of Terror.